The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. May we be ever be reminded that life begins, ends, is sustained, made possible by you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday, we began to look at the words that Jesus spoke on the cross, the seven different sayings. And uh, on Palm Sunday, we pointed out uh, as Jesus looked around and prayed the prayer, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we saw just an incredible picture of that forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the model that he gave us. We saw him speak to the uh, thief on the cross, the man who prayed um, today, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, remember me when you come into your kingdom, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And we saw the prayer of that man, how he looked to Jesus as Lord, how he recognized his own weakness, how his own failure, his own sin, and how he called and trusted upon Jesus. And Jesus said, today I have something I can give you. I can give you eternal life. We saw him speak to his mother and to John, displaying incredible compassion as he, even during his darkest hour, he took time to care about others and say, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. And then on Friday night, we heard the cry of anguish from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And to try to wrap our head around what was happening there is probably impossible for us to do. But for us to understand that on the cross, Jesus bore our sins. To understand that on the cross, Jesus was forsaken so that we never will be forsaken. And then he cried out just those two words, I thirst. And once again in that, we can see that Jesus experienced thirst that we would know what it is like to have living water that never uh, lets us thirst again. So today we focus on the last two sayings of the cross as we began, where Jesus uh, said those three words, actually one word in Greece we'll look, in Greek we'll look at in a minute, it is finished. And then he prayed that prayer as Pastor Josh read, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. But I don't want you to think we're going to stop there because there is this one other matter we will most definitely address today, and we'll get to that. So let's, uh, let's go, first of all, to that statement that he made on the cross. Oh, by the way, this is the other verse that Pastor Josh read, and it's just, you want to take one thing away, just take the, these words. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever. Just that phrase, isn't that awesome? I died, but behold, I'm alive together. So that ties together these first two things we're going to look at, these last two sayings on the cross. And then also, as we talk about the resurre resurrection, they're really inseparable. I died, but now I am alive forever. Jesus said, it is finished. On the cross, he said what we look at in English as those three words. Again, in, Greece, in Greek, it is one word. It is a word that I am going to try to pronounce for you correctly in Greek and then say it the way I've always said it. And I have to warn you ahead of time, I may go back and forth as I talk about it for a few minutes here because I've always said tetelestai. Actually, the Greek pronunciation, the E's come out as a long A. So it's 
Tetelestai. Tetelestai. I'm staying with Tetelestai, okay? But uh, this word to me just has so much that we need to dig into. First of all, just the tense of the word. The Greek language has some more complicated tenses than ours do, uh, than, than English does. And this word is in what is called the pluperfect tense. But this is awesome because it has that idea that it is completed and yet goes on forever. It has no ending. So when Jesus said, it is finished, he talked about something that, done deal, never going to happen uh, again. But the other thing about this word is that in the Greek language, this was a very common word. It was used in a lot of different situations. And it does us well to take a couple minutes today and talk about some of the ways that it was used. One of the groups that would often say this word are servants. They have completed the task that was given them. So they would come back and they would say, Tetelestai, okay, it's done. I have completed what you sent me to do. Jesus said that he came to do the Father's work. And on the cross, he announced, done. I've done what I came to do. When we looked at the book of Hebrews a while back and we studied about the priest going into the uh, uh, temple and, uh, or into the tabernacle before that, and we saw the different pieces of furniture in the temple, and there was the, uh, there was the golden candlestick, and there was a table of showbread, and there was the laver, there was the altar there, uh, that they would go to the one piece of furniture that never was in the tabernacle or the temple was a chair because the work of the priest was never done. But in Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus, when he got done, you know what he did? He sat down because the work is done. To tell us die, it's done. That which I came to do has been accomplished. Another group that would use this word to tell us die are the priests. When they would bring a sacrifice into the temple, it had to be inspected. Okay, they had to make sure that this animal fit uh, measured up. They had to make sure that it was acceptable. They had to make sure that the sacrifice met the standards and was acceptable. Are you, are you tracking with me at all? Are you hearing what I'm saying? How perfectly, again, this word fits. For because Jesus was that perfect sacrifice that met the standards. God, uh, as he poured out his wrath upon Jesus Christ, it gives us a great picture for God upheld his holiness while he fulfilled his demands. So I had to come back and read that because that's so good. Obvious, not, it's not something I came up with. But God upheld his holiness as he fulfilled his own demands there on the cross. And the priest would, would say, to tell us die, it's an acceptable sacrifice. A third group that might use that word or did use that word were the merchants. We've had a transaction. You paid it off. Tetelestai. Paid in full. Okay, wait a minute. Nobody's even smiling. Let me say that again. Paid in full. Okay, God says that's done. That's it. And uh, if you'd like to imagine it like, like this, uh, it's signed, and it's signed in red for the blood of Christ paid it in full. If you want to say it like that, my debt has been completely paid. For me to continue to even beat myself up about sins and mistakes that I make doesn't really make any sense because that debt's been paid in full. Somewhere we sang this morning about my shame not having a hold on me. Why? Because it's been paid in full. One last group that would use this word some are the artists. They'd look at their masterpiece and they'd say, Tetelestai. It's finished. I, I've, I've done it. I got to, yesterday I was uh, making a little slab 
of blocks to put a rocking uh, thing on outside. I was very proud of it afterwards. Some of you might want to come by my house later and look at it. Uh, I had it all leveled out. It's pretty sharp, isn't it? And I did it with all just stuff I found around the yard. I was so proud of myself. Uh, but I stood there. You know, I'm weird like that. You know, so I'm standing there in the yard just staring at it. <laughs> Boy, uh, you know, that's good. maybe I need to get you all to come by and tell me how great it is. But, you know, you look at that ma- masterpiece and you say, this is actually done. Well, when we have been going through, when we preach from the Old Testament, many times we will talk about something in the Old Testament that gives a picture of Jesus Christ. Okay, we talked about Joshua when we went through the book of Joshua. We talk about the ark giving a picture of rescue. We talked about uh, Abraham when he sacrificed Isaac, how Isaac gave a picture of that sacrifice, and the lamb was another picture of that. Uh, we talk about Moses being the deliverer and that he is a picture, and we see so many different pictures throughout the Old Testament. Well, what we're saying here in Jesus Christ is those pictures are complete. The Apostle Paul said it like this, these are shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And all those pictures that we've been looking at are fulfilled and completed in Jesus Christ. It is finished. Tetelestai. The other phrase that we have not looked at yet uh, that Jesus spoke on the cross when it was about the sixth hour, about noon, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, three in the afternoon. While the sun's lights failed, we talked about that the other night. He experienced this darkness that we might walk in light. Sorry, I like little phrases like that. I need to get me some bumper stickers. Okay. Uh, anyway, but, um, but he experienced that darkness that we might walk in light. And certain of the temple was, uh, I'm sorry, the, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Man, that's a, that's a sermon. And then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. I would like to just take a couple minutes and talk again. And again, we're not going to end here, but talk again about just the death of Christ as he breathed his last, as he said these words, Father, into your hands I command my spirit. The first thing about the death that I would call your attention to is the actuality of the death. Death. What I mean is Jesus actually died. You say, well, why are you emphasizing that? Because in an effort to discredit Christians, uh, they tried to sp- spend a variety of different lives. Well, it was pretty hard to say that he wasn't resurrected because there were hundreds of witnesses. We're going to read about a little bit everywhere. It was pretty hard to say that Jesus wasn't alive. But what they tried to say then is something called the swoon theory. They said he didn't really even die. He never really died on the cross. Now, that doesn't go with the, uh, doesn't make any sense when you think about the soldiers who came by and thrust a spear into his side. Doesn't make any sense. There's nothing about it does, but they tried to lie, and they tried to say that Jesus did not actually die, but indeed he did. He actually breathed his last breath upon the cross. We could say, we could talk about the confidence or the fact that he died confidently, When you live by God's word, you can die by God's word, and you can die with God's promises and knowing uh, the resurrection, and that'll be true. And I was thinking about that Um, a few years back when we were out in the mountains somewhere, Colorado or something like that. I like T-shirt shops. I don't buy them, but I love to read (laughs) T-shirts. By the way, sometimes you need to proofread them before you read them out loud, but we won't get into that. Uh, But uh, the one uh, T-shirt that was going around that year was uh, had just had the question, 
uh, what's the worst that could happen? And, it, you know, first they'd have, you know, this guy that's getting ready to jump across, uh, you know, a thing. I can make it. You know, and it would say at the bottom, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, or a guy has a fish and he's going to give it to a bear. <laughs> what's the worst that can happen? All that type of thing. I enjoy, I enjoy those. But I love that phrase. What's the worst that could happen? Uh, I don't know why I, I amuse myself with that phrase qu- quite a bit, you know, when I'm starting to do something that I know is rather stupid. I'll just say, hey, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, my mother-in-law spent some time uh, with us. I have to be careful in case she's listening. But uh, the uh, but she uh, uh, is from Oklahoma, and a lot of times through March we'd get up in the morning and there was snow. Well, in Oklahoma, snow meant you stay home. And my wife was on this thing where she was trying to take my mother-in-law and make her walk the mall for exercise. I don't know if she's trying to keep her alive or kill her. I'm not sure which one. Uh, but she would, she would take her out and drag her out to the mall all the time. And it cracked me up because every time there was snow, Grandma would come out, it's snowing. We can't go. <laughs> and Francis would say, get in the car. Uh, like that. No passion whatsoever. You get out there. But, uh, but my statement is always, you know, the snow is everywhere. And should you be driving this? And I always just spit out, What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> now, it doesn't, not all that intelligent of a statement, I realize, but when I come back to that statement, when I, when I think about that, the worst that can happen to me, I guess you would say, is death. This <laughs> body that's getting more and more decrepit all the time could stop breathing. But that's nothing. Because he lives, I'm going to live on into eternity. Okay? So what's the worst that could happen? So his death, he approached death, death confidently. He also approached death willingly. He laid down his life. Can you imagine what could have happened there? Some of you remember the old song, He could have called 10,000 angels, destroy the earth and set him free. But that's not what happened because he had come to lay down his life. So he willingly is laying down his life for us. Another verse that I came across this week just in reading different verses about the resurrection is in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And this phrase caught my attention, who being Jesus Christ, who, that's the who, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And I thought it'd be kind of fun just to meditate for a couple minutes on what that joy is. We could do that for a while. What was the joy that lay lay ahead as he endured the cross? uh, He could look at it. He could think about the joy that was before him. What was that joy that was ahead of him? Perhaps it was that he would be exalted, the exalted king of kings forever. Perhaps that he would be our eternal high priest. Perhaps that he would sit at his father's side. Perhaps that he would hold in his hand that sign check that says paid in full for all those that he loved and sacrificed and gave his life for. Uh, Perhaps those are the things I don't know. But what I do know, the Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Now, as as I said, there's no way we can stay there. We've got to move forward. And we want to focus on not that crucified Savior, but on the living Savior. These two words are so powerful together. That verse in Revelation that Josh read, you know, just talking about that, I was dead, but I am alive again. A Savior necessitates the death, that he would be the Savior, that he would die, that he would pay the price, that he would satisfy um, the, the price of sin. And he did that completely. But now we know that because of the resurrection, he's alive again. There's a, uh, you know, uh, 
any holiday, I guess, carries with it some traditions, you know, some things you got to do every time. Uh, definitely Christmas has some things like that. Our, one of our things at Easter, and I was reminding my wife this morning, it's really kind of sad, though, when you remind your wife of a tradition that she had and she doesn't remember it. Friends, uh, you did this all the time, but uh, we would always start the day and uh, waking up, even as the kids were getting up, there was a song by a group called New Song, and the song was called Arise My Love. But, you know, it goes through the first day in the tomb, the second day in the tomb, and then, arise, my love. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. And uh, Jesus walks out of there, and it, it, I mean, what a way to wake up and get excited about the Savior and the, and the resurrection get, get like that. That's always been a family tradition. I, I have one that I have, I think since, since I have been here, uh, that each Easter I have to read this passage of Scripture. Uh, it is not the passage where they run to the tomb and find it empty. I love that. That's thrilling. Uh, it is not the passage where Jesus shows up later and, uh, to the, uh, to, even to Thomas and says, thrust your hands here. here. None, none of that. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that I think every year at Easter I have brought it into the service one way or another. Today we're going to take the time to read through it together. And we're just, I think you'll agree with me, it's just... This is too good. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote in uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, he said, Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel that I preached to you. Now, he's going to tell you more about that gospel in a second, which you have received and wherein ye stand, by which ye have been saved, if ye hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He says, I delivered to you first the, the importance of what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Jesus came and fulfilled everything the Word of God had prophesied about Him. And the Bible says that He died for our sins. I never want to read through that too quickly and miss those three words, for our sins. Because that is so important that we recognize that's what this is about, that Jesus came to pay the price for our sins. And it is so important as an individual I recognize, like that guy that we talked about uh, that was on the cross that looked at Jesus and said, uh, he doesn't deserve this. He's innocent. I deserve this. I deserve to be here. I deserve the penalty for sin. Jesus took my penalty for sin. The Apostle Paul goes on, and he says, indeed, that he was buried. Again, the certainty that indeed he was dead. It wasn't a, a fake out of any kind. And that he was raised again on the third day, according to the Scriptures. And, and there were witnesses everywhere. He appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to 500 brothers at once. Most of them are still alive, as some have fallen asleep. Listen. I saw uh, Stacy actually show me a skit this week that somebody had done online and, and put it out there that uh, it was the disciples and they gathered together uh, after Jesus was gone and they're all depressed. And uh, they're, you know, they're, they're mourning because their Savior is gone, because their leader is gone. And, and uh, what are they, they going to do? What do we do now? And the, I think it was Peter stands up and he has an idea. He says, I got an idea. He said, let's go steal the body. Now, first of all, that's dumb to begin with. Uh, these little fishermen don't stand a chance against the Roman guard, and they, they have no prayer doing it. But he says, let's go steal the body. And all the disciples, yeah, let's go steal the body. That's great. Uh, we'll do that. And then we'll tell everybody that he rose from the dead. And they're cheering, yeah, we'll do that. That's good. And then uh, I forget who it is, but one of the disciples pipes up, and he says, oh, uh, and then we'll all get rich and famous. 
And uh, Peter says, well, no. Then we'll all suffer and die. And yeah! <laughs> and some of them have started to jump around and others are going, wait a minute. <laughs> There's a problem with this plan. And when, if indeed Christ is not raised and they fabricated the story, okay, all these hundreds of people decided, hey, you know what? Let's lie about it. What in the world did they have to gain from that? Absolutely nothing. Here's what they had to gain, being tortured for their faith in Jesus Christ, being tortured for uh, promoting that message. It really doesn't make any sense to suggest that this was not real with a multitude of witnesses. Paul goes on and he says, then he appeared uh, to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. <laughs> Paul says, I am the least of the apostles unworthy even to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Remember the story that, that that was who Paul was. As Saul, he was the one who was chasing down the Christians, but Jesus showed up to him. He says, man, I, I understand how unworthy I am of what took place there. But then Paul went on and he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me is not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. It wasn't about my works. It was the grace of God that is in me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some say there is no resurrection of the dead? And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Okay? The Apostle Paul said, if Christ is not raised, if this isn't real, if it ended with it is finished, if it ended with Father into thy hands, I commend thy spirit, if there's no three days later and the tomb is open, he says, you know what we're doing here today is a colossal waste of time. We should have slept in, uh, taken whatever money we might be thinking about giving the Lord and putting in Easter eggs and hand it out to people. Okay, and you up there, uh, you are totally wasting your time doing, doing what you're doing because we are all just wasting our time. It is all in vain. It's all empty. This, my friends, is why we will say that the resurrection is the defining miracle of Christianity. It is that, <laughs> go follow Confucius if Jesus isn't raised from the dead. He has some great things to say. He really did. Buddha, smart guy, and I don't know how he sat like that in his older years. I don't know how he did it. Uh, he had some profound thing. Let's follow him. The difference, the defining, the difference maker as far as Christianity is right here in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul went on. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. He said, not only are we wasting our time, we're liars. Because we testify about a God that raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it's not true that Christ is raised from the dead. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Okay? This is all a if there's no resurrection, it's all a joke. And if Christ has not been, oh man, don't miss this. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Okay? Believe all you want. Have a good time. Those critics that say, hey, you guys are just uh, emotional and having a good time and, and kidding yourselves, they're right if Christ isn't raised. We might as well just say it. And here's the really sad part. You're still in your sins. See, Christ came to pay the price for our sins, to bring, bring victory over our sins. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, 
Bye-bye. No hope. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You got that? I mean, I could stand here and say to you, hey, even if there was no heaven, I'm still going to be a preacher. But I'd be a liar. <laughs> because if Christ isn't raised and if this isn't true, I, I'm, I'm not totally dumb. I could have made a lot of money maybe somewhere or done to, or sports career. Okay, maybe not that. Uh, but but uh, I could have done, done something else. If Christ is not raised, I'm not going down this path because the, these disciples, again, they're going to end up suffering and dying for their faith. They said, we're the most be pitying. But that next phrase is what we have to catch a hold of and remember. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Boom. There it is. He's the first fruits. He was raised, and then those are going to follow those who sleep. This is why we have hope in Jesus Christ. Spurgeon said, you can't be prepared to live until you're prepared to die. Someday, hopefully not this week, but someday you're going to hear that Dan Thomas has passed away. I wouldn't waste the time to look up in the obituary because there's a ton of Dan Thomases. They'd be all over the place. They'd have a hard time finding me. Three of us die a day, I think. Uh, but, uh, but someday you're going to hear that, and you know, the, somewhere they're going to call up the funeral parlor. And, by the way, don't lay me out in a pink shirt, okay? This is just for Easter. Give me, give me something. I mean, I'm secure enough in my manhood to go here for Easter, but I don't, I'm not, for, not in a casket. Maybe, uh, maybe my Steeler shirt. That would be appropriate. The Steelers are dead too. But uh, they. Uh, but anyway, lay, lay me out there in the, in the casket. Uh, you know, you're going to call up a funeral parlor. Uh, and I don't mean to be rude to our, our guests in town here. I love Mr. Mayhew down here. Cares for a lot of people. Great guy. But his funeral parlor is so old. And it's shagged carpet and everything. Like, don't put me there. Uh, I don't want to be there, especially not in a pink shirt. Um, but uh, somewhere, you know, somewhere that, that day is going to happen. And, and uh, you know, you're going to play some music. I don't really, I don't, I wish they had some funeral parlors that were a little bit more uh, updated. You know, everything's all the plastic flowers and everything like that. I really don't want to go there. If you can find an updated one, a hip hop happening, uh, that's what I'm talking about. You know, something that's pretty good. Uh, put me in there. I think I like that better. You can't sing I Can Only Imagine. I like that one. You can put that in there. Probably at least one Motown. Well, anyway, uh, I, I would like that. But, but, you know, someday that is going to come. And, and I don't mean to be flippant about it. I, really, I, I know I just was and kidding and, and everything about it. But someday, folks, you're going to hear that Dan Thomas is dead. And I want to tell you something. That's a lie. Okay? My faith's in Jesus Christ because he lives. I also live. That day is not going to come. And I can live with an assurance and with a courage or with even an excitement, with even an anticipation, without a fear of death. Now, hey, I hope when the day comes, I hope a couple of people cry because they miss me a little bit. That would be nice. Uh, even if you have to pull a nose hair, somebody, you know, cry a little bit, make it, make it feel a little bit better. But what I am saying is don't cry too long because that story about Dan Thomas is no longer alive is a lie. That old body, that might not be alive anymore. But because he lives, we too shall live into eternity. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that? Yeah. I mean, that, if that ain't worth clapping about, I don't, I don't know what is. Because he lives, we too have eternal life. I'm going to uh, 
before we close, we're going to watch one, one little uh, video here again, and the uh, worship team is going to come back up so that we can uh, close in praising him. But before we do that, Father, <laughs> uh, pastor is kind of weird. We, we, uh, we always think, hey, I've got to preach a great message on Easter. Lord, I know that all I have to do is read this scripture. I know that. I know how incredible the truth is. And the presentation means so little compared to just the truth that you so loved this world that you gave your only son. And not only did that only son bear the price of our sin in his body, but then he rose again three days later, securing victory over sin and the price of sin and death. Father, we just want to praise you for that. We want to... We want to have this message of the gospel be lived out in our lives as we even think about it during this video now, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269 663 2648. Thank you for listening.